Hello and welcome to the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. I'm your host, VM Campos. This is the podcast where I review a comic book new or old from my collection and rate it on the factors of the cover art, interior art, plot, and enjoyability of the book on a scale of 1 to 5. And then I tell you to get it or shred it. This week I'm reviewing Epic Illustrated Number 2, published in 1980 by Marvel Comics. For the video version of the podcast, head on over to youtube.com slash vmcampos. As usual, a little bit of backstory before we get to the main review. I picked up this issue of Epic Number 2 at San Diego Comic-Con 2023. Ah, Comic-Con, it's always amazing. And for me, it's still about the comics. So when I saw some back issues of some classic fantasy, swords and sorcery type of comics out there, I had to get them. And so I'm going to do a page-by-page review of this comic featuring its various stories and eye-catching art, because you might not be aware of Epic Illustrated. This ran for 34 issues in the 80s, published by Marvel Comics, featuring many amazing writers and artists from inside and outside Marvel Comics. We're going to go page by page in a moment, but as you're seeing here, there's a variety of art styles, some realistic stuff, more cartoony stuff, there's some text pieces, etc., some Hollywood stuff that we will see. And so this, of course, was the competitor to such magazines as Heavy Metal, which had been around since the late 70s, and Warren's version of the adult fantasy magazine 1984, which then was renamed into 1994. I'm bummed that there was never a 2004 to keep it going, but, you know, Warren went out of business. Heavy Metal's still around, although they just uh, rebooted back to number one. But Epic only lasted 34 issues in the 80s and featured many luminaries on the cover and in the interiors. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's get on with the main review. First of all, cover art. Here we have Richard Corbin, famous fantasy illustrator that has his inimitable style of uh, cartoony realism with lush tones, painted tones that he's been doing since the 60s. Rest in peace. He died in the 21st century. Amazing artist. And here he is with a piece from 1980 featuring a pair of barely clothed barbarians battling these hordes, these creatures with a beautiful sunset. There's a five out of five. Whenever I see Richard Corbin art, it's hard for it not to be a perfect five. And I think you'll agree on that. Interior art. Let me just cut to the chase. Interior art is also a five. No, it's a six out of five. Interior art is amazing. Interior art is by a variety of artists. Here we have the table of contents. Pause it, take a look at it for yourself. But some selections include Rick Veach, Jim, Jim, sorry, James Tarlin, P. Craig Russell, Howard Jakin, Ernie Colon, and more. So an amazing selection of artists. You can see a little preview of their art there so far. And it's divided up into a variety of stories. Some are continuations from the previous issue number one. After all, I'm showing issue number two here. Some are brand new stories to continue in the future. First up, we've got Almuric. This is adapted by Roy Thomas and Tim Conrad from a Robert E. Howard story. So it's cool that we've got a frontispiece in color, and then we go to black and white, and then we get back to color a little bit later. So basically, this tells the story of a guy born in a time that he shouldn't have been in. In 1938, we have Esau Cairn, who is just too much of a violent, savage person for the 20th century. He tries to be part of society, but he's just too violent. He ends up working with a corrupt senator. The senator's going to throw him under the bus, but nope, Esau is 
gonna use his fists first and his brains later. Well, all of this ties together that he's on the run from the cops. He goes to the house of this mad scientist that's involved with Boss Blaine's. And uh, Asao has just one choice. Jump through this portal to another dimension or get caught by the cops. So he jumps through the portal. He ends up in a savage land where, guess what? His savagery fits perfectly in this savage world. So what's interesting here, as is on par by many of these magazines of the time, they start off with some amount of pages at the beginning, and then they have you jump to much later in the magazine. I suppose that's because if you're not really interested in the story, it's not going to further clutter up the book. You can look at other things. So we'll jump over to page 91. This is basically a 100-page magazine. So near the end, we'll jump to part two, for the continuation of the story. So you're seeing great art. It's this uh, 70s style of swords and sorcery, adult fantasy as they call it. Very well-rendered characters and anatomy. Interesting panel layouts, epic pages and the like. Now he's busting out here, but then he gets uh, quickly captured again because we've got to go for part two next, Into the Pit. Jumping back in continuity, of course I love those ads of the time. We have a, a story piece over here by Marv Wolfman and a painting by Dinah Grazunius. It's just six stanzas of a poem that don't even need to be numbered. Here they all are right here. Pause it, read it for yourself. That is an epic story there. And this magazine mixes that. Longer form pieces with short stories, with serialized stories and the like. Because next up we've got a Steve Bissett, Rick Veach collab. Yep, that's a big duo right there, and they're doing something for this Marvel mag. This one's weird and confusing. You have this uh, monkey creature in some world or something. Then you got hillbillies in their spacecraft, uh, watercraft thing or whatever. And it's plot-wise is extremely weird. Art is amazing, of course. Look at the tones on this, the underwater shot happening here with this battle and the, the chase of things, and then the monkey creature wins, or the mom comes to help? Like, I can't tell the scale of things. The hillbillies are in that vehicle there, so these things are huge. But over here, it seems small. I don't know, it's, it's very confusing, but visually amazing. Overall, all the stories, of course, are also a five out of five. Uh, this one's a little bit more like a two out of five. I don't really get it, so I'm not gonna review every single story, uh, but I'm gonna show you the art and such everything. Then we've got this sequence. This is by Vincente Alcazar, and it's just four panels to really make you think. Yep. All right, so then we have um, a cool article here by Maurice Horn about fantasy in European comics. So we got a lot of the names of uh, famous European artists and some of the previews of their work and the like. And just to show you that we can do it here too in America, our own version of things. That's what Epic Illustrated is trying to do, their own version of these more grown-up comics that are not restrained by the Comics Code Authority, because you will see there's no CCA logo on this. Of course not, it's a magazine. The CCA affected comic books, not magazines. And so you can do more grown-up things, which yes, it does mean a lot more nudity and sexy art than the usual CCA-type comics. But that also means a lot more experimental works. Here we have part four of Jim Starlin's big epic, Metamorphosis Odyssey. This is a long story. Um, actually, let me pause it here. You can read the synopsis there on your own. But in short, 
there's this really warlike race that is just conquering planets all over the galaxy, taking hundreds of thousands of years. And in one of the latest conquests, one of the last warriors of the planet uh, goes off to seed the worlds throughout the galaxy. And yes, he also came to Earth millions of years ago and helped humanity. And so he's gathering all of these people from all of these planets. There's this like verdant planet. We get this character. We get a human from Earth. Uh, spoiler alert, in the previous issue, Earth was destroyed. <laughs> and we get this uh, cannibal guy from another planet and this main guy. So they have to gather these artifacts. And uh, it is a space epic. And that's what Jim Starlin is very famous for. After all, he worked on with Marvel, the uh, Infinity Gauntlet story and Infinity War and all that stuff. So he's well-versed in that cosmic stuff. So this is just one of many parts. It'd be cool for me to get the following ones because I am interested in continuing this story. And as you notice there in the art, it started off black and white, went to sepia tones, and then color. So that's interesting. Next up, we have this P. Craig Russell work, which is based on the uh, Siegfried and the Dragon uh, mythology. I think that's some German mythology there. And so the art here is... Is a bit more cartoony. Obviously, it's still very re realistic. Very well rendered. Great panel layout. A little bit more cartoony. And it's uh, a big old battle with uh, Fafnir, this dragon here. The boy S Siegfried doesn't have any fear. He battles the dragon. He earns his power. Now he can actually talk with the animals. And so he learns that if you would find the Ring of Gold, you could rule the whole world. And then a very epic bit of art here that would look perfect on the side of a van. Moving on, we have here an interview with Glenn Larson, who worked with a lot of TV shows. Here we're talking about Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers, and so it's a text piece. Pause it, read that on your own. It's an interview with some art, concept art, some work from Galactica. Just something cool to tap into the zeitgeist at the time. Battlestar Galactica, of course, was huge because Star Wars was huge. And here they've got a scoop with this very famous Hollywood guy. Next up, here's a black and white piece. Very cartoony style. This is Sinner by Archie Goodwin and Michelle Brand. And it's really got this style of a 70s cartooniness. And it's a kind of a basic story of religion gone amok after the apocalypse and someone that is nonconformist. And so the mob, uh, thanks to religion, of course, have to kill him. Basically the end. No big twist or anything, just that, yep, nonconformity will get you killed, I guess. Art is cool, story is not that great. I don't know if I'm mad at the story's not a twist ending or that the story is so realistic it makes me mad. There's some feedback, there's some letters here. Most of them are pretty negative, actually. So kudos to them to publish pretty negative letters. Most people are saying that they didn't like the first issue, that it felt pretty sloppy all over the place, a reliance on violence and big tits. And so kudos to them to print these and actually respond to people and basically saying, we're gonna do better. There's also a lot of comparison with heavy metal in 1994 and they're saying we can have our own version we can all succeed no worries stay with us this does go on to a final page uh with more letters and again it's it feels like it's 90 percent negative comments so check those out on your own pretty respectful reply from goodwin that's interesting that it kind of feels like people didn't really like what they were doing now they did last until 34 issues so they must have improved right 
Here we have a Howard Chaikin piece, Seven Moons Light Cast Complex Shadows. Now the story here, again, uh, the story is, I, I don't get it. It's in some future world and such, and there's seven moons, and there's a main character, but then I can't quite tell who the main character is. Here's these people here, but then there's another guy here, but he's not really part of the story, and like I'm not losing track of who's who, except for this main girl here that's about to jump over this ledge. Uh, we go back to the place and figure out, oh, wait a minute, she is the president. So that's pretty progressive, a female president, wow. But what's sci-fi all about it is that she's actually one of the 500 clones of the female president. And she's despondent that she's just a little cog in the machinery of the presidency, so that's why she was going to jump the fence. And then I don't know what happens here, so our main character steals something, a brooch, some memory chip, I don't know what's going on there. So then the authorities come in to take the clone back, you don't really know who she is, they're like, yeah, get her out of here. And the twist ending is, uh, I have a cloning vat of my own, and I might clone the president, and something, and or metamorphosize into the president. I don't know. I don't really get a sense that this is a continuation, but it probably is. I don't have the next issue, but the story again. And I do find that a lot, that the art is amazing. Five out of five. And I guess the story overall, because you get a variety of stories, is a five out of five, but then some of the individual ones can really fall down to lower levels. Here is a black and white piece about epic swords and sorcery. There is the King Tarn in a peaceful land, but someone is coming, disrupting the peace, being a violent maelstrom through his peaceful kingdom, and now he's got to suit up and deal with the evil knight coming to destroy everything. Now, the twist here, did I tell you this podcast is full of spoilers, is that basically this is something about alternate realities mixing into each other that this guy really isn't this king in this kingdom. He's actually just a regular guy in the 20th century that's uh, commuting to work at a boring office job, but that another reality was kind of mixing in with his reality, and he's actually just a regular guy, not a knight. Not a, not a knight king and such. And then the super twist on that is, uh, nope, I'm going to kill you, reality police, and come back to my fantasy world. Yep, so a twist upon a twist. Next story up here. Okay, the grammar on this is kind of horrific. If you pause it and read it on your own, you're going to see many examples of bad grammar. And that's either an artistic choice or bad editorial from the editors that they didn't fix up the grammar because Ernie Colon probably isn't a native English speaker, and it really shows in the language. It really took me out of the story where there's this assassin going to do some, I don't know, corporate espionage, assassination or whatever, and then she's going to go get her money out on the Riviera or something. But she figures out, wait a minute, I didn't deal with the guy that I actually had to deal with. It must have been an imposter. So I can either tell the organization that I dealt with an imposter or... I can do, I can go on as if nothing happened. But wait a minute, I ran into the guy, so it was an imposter, oh no. Well, the only thing left to do is to turn myself into the organization. But wait a minute, the twist ending there is that this guy is actually the imposter. And he's there to tie up the loose ends, because when the assassin can't assassinate, what good are they? It's a very cool final panel there, sequence of panels. Talk about decompression. People hate decompression nowadays but it works very well when it works well. Let me get back to the end of the book here. Continuation of that first story, final letters. 
final ad for some classic liqueur. This is 100 proof. I gotta try it. I looked it up and it's still around. So I've gotta try a sip of Yukon Jack. Or maybe a sip of Champagne. I really only know about this from The Simpsons. I get all my knowledge from The Simpsons. And so, yeah, Champagne. It's a beer, but it tastes like a wine, I guess. And it's less expensive than regular Champagne. So yeah, create a Champagne moment with someone you like. And that was Epic Illustrated number two, published in 1980 by Marvel Comics. And that was Epic Illustrated number two, published in 1980 by Marvel Comics. What an epic collection of illustrations, wouldn't you say? We had a variety of artists and writers, both from and outside of Marvel Comics, putting together these fantastical stories of swords and sorcery, sci-fi, and adult fantasy. A lot of sexy art, wouldn't you say? A lot of mind-boggling stories, wouldn't you say? I'd like to hear your thoughts on the book. Tell me in the comments. I'd also like a like, share, or subscribe, and all that good stuff. I'd appreciate it. I would also really appreciate becoming a patron. Contribute to my endeavors for $3.33 a month over on patreon.com slash vmcampos. For that amazing price, you get early access to my content. And you keep the channel going, you keep it funded, and you become a part of it. But if you can't quite pledge at the moment, no worries. Simply like, comment, share, subscribe, do all that good stuff. I would really appreciate it. Once again, this has been Epic Illustrated number two, published in 1980 by Marvel Comics. And this has been the weekly VM Campos Comic Book Club. So I'll see you next week.